Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Mr. Matt Lawless, welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast, my friend. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm doing really well. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. I've had the pleasure of working with you uh, over these crazy last two to three months. I mean, it's been, um, you know, I think you and the small community that, that we have uh, in, in the group that, you know, we, we started working together. We'll explain what that group is. But We've, we've gone from uh, a point of, hey, everything was business as usual, then this crazy thing called Corona hit, and everybody pivoted. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and your business uh, you know, is no different, and I, I love to talk about how, how we're going to do that. And, and just so people have reference, today's recording date is the 21st of March in 2020, so that's kind of the, the relative point, because right now, as you probably agree, it's for a while there, it was like every week seemed like a year. Right. Uh, yeah, it did. But it's oh, although I just have to correct you slightly. It's the twenty-first of May. Oh May? Ha! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly. Exactly my point. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> my point. So, um, Matt, it's it's great to have you on. Uh, I you know you're you're really uh, you're a very charismatic guy. You're a strong leader, and uh, I've always really respected the viewpoints that you bring into into the group that we, we work with. So um, I guess let's let's start off with this, Matt. If you don't mind, just give us a little bit of your background, kind of how some of, part of the story that got to where you are now. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so um, currently, I I am the owner, manager, um, director of Vital Consular Vital Certificates. Um, but it's been a long time coming. Um, my background was uh, I sort of did a degree in music, which qualified me to do absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, and specifically as a trained classical singer, um, which really qualified me for absolutely nothing. Um, and so I spent, uh, that was back in ni- 1994. So, so Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. hold you up right now because I already have a question. So, <laughs> you didn't know about this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know about any of this. Uh, classical singer, like, it would. Uh, excuse my ignorance, but is that like opera or what, what, is, what is that? What is that classical? Yeah, so, so um, not so much opera, although there's a little bit of that. But it's, yeah, it's all that stuff with an orchestra behind it hmm. um, or a piano behind it. And that, that was you know, um, music that the composers died 300 years ago. Okay. Okay. It's that, that sort of thing. You know, at some point I'm going to ask you to sing something, right? Yeah. That's just not going to happen. 
Ah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Don't worry, listeners. I'll keep at it. Uh, okay. So continue. You're, you've got a background in, in, in classical music. It, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a bit weird. But, um, but at the time, I was really also interested in the recording element of that. Um, and that, that fell into what, what, I've, what I've become, really, because there's always been a, a technology bent in, in what I've done. Um, I spent the next sort of 15 years or so flitting between a, a career in um, audio sales, so sales of audio hardware, um, which I did for about 10 years. And then for about seven-ish years, um, I moved into IT and IT security. Uh, worked for companies like Fujitsu, doing sort of large-scale security projects. Um, and back in 2006... Um, so what's that? Fourteen years ago, um, I was really just working myself into the into the into the ground. I was on contract. I was working in London, which is four hour journey from from where I live. And so I'd go down for three four days, come back. It'd be hotels overnight, um, expense accounts, eating the wrong stuff um and uh, and sleeping badly and all that sort of stuff and 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 had a bit of a health scare um and i decided that i really need to do something about the fact that i was just absolutely killing myself what was the health scare uh i woke up one night thinking i had a heart attack oh wow um so and that was just you know bad living it, as as it happened it was it was fine um but it's one of those those moments in your life where you think actually i need to just reevaluate what's going on Hmm. Um, so my birthday came up in September of that year. My brother got me a book called How They First Started. Uh, and it was tracking the journeys of 10 um, well-known companies. Um, and like the book says, how they first started. He thought that I would be better off working for myself. And I hadn't recognized that myself at the time. Um, at the same time, we were, myself and my wife were doing our family history. We were this genealogy stuff around, you know, where do we come from, all that sort of thing. And um, during that time, I, I found out that the American audience knows birth, marriage, death certificates and vital records. And I thought that if we were, based on the fact that there's, at the time, there was 130 million US citizens that were into family history. We, um, I thought that actually some of those might need birth certificates and marriage certificates and, and that's to help trace their family lines. Um, and it'd be better for them if we got them for them and then scanned them and sent them over so they weren't waiting for the results of, uh, of the information that those documents contained. Um, and that was the catalyst for me starting the business. Um, what, what year past, was this? Roughly? This was 2006. So this okay. was December 2006. Okay. And for the next couple of years, or the next 18 months or so, I basically I worked that business whilst also working still for Fujitsu at the time. Um, so I'd work on weekends. I'd work. I'd come back from a day's work and I'd uh, be in a hotel or in, in a coffee shop with my laptop on my knee and trying to process orders for people and answer queries and all this sort of thing. Um, and in 2008, decided that actually there was something here 
um, and so quit my day job. Um, hired somebody to give me a hand and vital at the time vital certificates was born um from there it really i've just listened consistently to our, our clients asked them what they what they want out of what we do how we can help them um and track forward to now we have 24 staff um in three locations two countries including the middle east and we now provide a, a service to legalise documents for people who are moving abroad, um, which is global and uh, and now turn, has revenues of in excess of two million uh, a year, and that's kind of where we are. Wow, wow, what a cool story, man! Yeah, it's it's interesting. So you went out on your own in two thousand six, essentially, right? Um, yeah. Walk me through the moment in time when you said goodbye, corporate, hello, entrepreneurship. What what was what were the fears, the doubts, the excitement? What what were the emotions wrapped around that time, if you can remember? Well, it was. Um, I, th- I think realistically, there wasn't really a great deal of fear. I didn't feel like I, I felt like I needed the change. I felt that not doing something was more scary than doing something because I needed to, to change my, my life. Um, and so actually there was an excitement in that I, for the first time I would be able to take control of what I did. Um, I really wasn't a very good employee because I like to change things and I like to challenge things. (laughs) Um, and I don't think my bosses ever really appreciated that. Uh, it, it was for the best of intentions, you know, and I was always right, obviously. But um, but no, that, that didn't work so well. So when I started the business, for me, it was an opportunity to be the boss that I never had, which was someone that actually gave a damn about their employees and actually wanted to try and make a difference. And so that filled me more with excitement than it did with fear. Um, because realistically, you know, if it, if it all gone wrong, I had a, you know, a fairly successful career. I could have easily gone back to it if necessary, but I just, from that point, I just didn't think I ever would do. Yeah. It's pretty interesting that a lot of times, uh, entrepreneurs and founders self-select themselves out of corporate environments for where they're absolutely. And I think that was something I was always, uh, I mean, you know me now, Matt, and I'm, I'm extremely lifestyle driven. That's, that's my, you know, that's my driving factor, uh, my mm-hmm. leading value. And I, you know, a lot of my managers or people, uh, executives who looked over me during my corporate years, they found that very hard to motivate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you motivate a guy who wants to make enough so that he can only work 20 hours a week? Right. That's, yeah, that's the four-hour work week's got a lot to uh, answer for, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four-hour work week is, first of all, that shit doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> you know, not without a ton of, ton of hard work on the front end. So, yeah, that's, uh, I like the, some of the principles, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's good. So tell me about the business now. Okay, let's, let's get into the qualities of what you do um, on the day-to-day. Who do you serve? Uh, how, do you, how do you help them? Um, so we have two main cli- main client bases. We we serve the individual person who's looking to up sticks and go and work abroad, um, but but specifically they're going to work for a country that doesn't generally trust other countries. Hmm. Um, and so 
before they can then go and take up a job overseas, what they are uh, looking for is for the documentation that proves that person can do the job that they're going to take up um, has done that job. So the, the paperwork has to um, prove, prove those things. Um, but they are not happy for someone to just turn up and rock up and say, Here, here's my um, documents. They want their embassy to have seen them. Um, and in turn, their embassy wants the, the, the local government to have seen them. And there's a whole chain of things that need to happen to those docs um, before they'll, they'll basically say that, yeah, I'm happy that this person with this document is, is who we're looking for. And so we serve that market um, predominantly to uh, the Middle East. So uh, UAE, Qatar, Kuwait, those sorts of places. Uh, and the Far East and, and uh, Southeast Asia, so Vietnam, China, um, Thailand, those sorts of places. Um, so we deal with those individuals, and we also then have a second arm to us which looks at the um, corporate businesses that are either recruiting multiple people for those positions, or they are a multinational employer that are hiring from all over the world and want to take some of the pain of getting these documents right for the people that they're onboarding and bringing into the company. Interesting. So you mentioned the companies, you know, uh, or, or people who are trying to go from two countries that are relatively at odds. What, can you give us some examples? Like what, what's like a typical maybe um, combination of countries and, and then that person that you're trying or company you're trying to help bridge that gap? Yeah. So, um, so, so the ones we first started out doing was, um, somebody in the UK um, where I'm based who was moving to Dubai um, in the UAE and so they would be taking up maybe they were a teacher and they were going to work in one of the international schools out in Dubai and they needed to um, have their in their case for just them themselves it would be their um, their qualified teacher status or their their um, bachelor's degree in, in, in education and that document would need to go through that process um, to support them getting their uh, their work permit or their residence visa once they arrived. Um, it, it gets a little bit more complicated if they then take a family because, say, the, the wife then needs, um, or, or the husband, depending on who's you know who's being employed out there, the marriage certificate would need to be attested. This is the term that we use for there um, to to provide evidence that that other person can come to the country and then if the kids are going then they have to have their birth certificates doing and then because we've become a global um the world is shrinking type society you may you, we, we regularly have situations where you've got you've got husband and wife two children husband was born in one country wife in another country they're married in a third country their kids were brought up in two other different countries where they were born because they're global travelers and so you could have a situation where there's five different countries so born in the uk and canada um married in nevada in the us um kids were brought up in hong kong when they were posted out there and so we have to then coordinate documents being flown all over the world to have things processed to, on them and then bring them all together so that they can then present those to the UAE authorities when they, when they turn up. Well, that sounds complicated. I wouldn't even uh, start. Yeah, it, it, it's complicated. We, um, we have about 70 countries that we do that for. 
um, documents that originated in about 70 countries. Um, and we built a system in the, in the back of the business, uh, which effectively tracked every piece of information that we could possibly glean about each of those different document types, the different country that they were originating in, the, the country they were going to work in, how quickly, you know, what all the processes around that was all brought into one system so that we can quickly identify and present that information to the, uh, to the end user. So that's been a real game changer for us. Hmm. Would, you get, would you classify yourself as a service-based company or a technology company? Uh, we're definitely a service-based um, company, but utilize technology as much as possible to, to make things efficient um, and to also to guarantee quality. Uh, because if you can systemize something, then often you can eradicate um, human error um, in many cases. So, but definitely the service element is, is, is massively important. And, and we recently um, achieved um, accreditation to the ISO 9001 um, standard, which assures quality, assure, um, it's a quality assurance um, accolade, essentially. Congratulations. That's amazing. So um, would you say that the effectiveness of, of what you do, is it based upon <clears throat> the knowledge and the experience you guys have working with all of these complicated transactions and movements, or is a lot of it based on the relationships you've made with people in each, you know, individual um, consulate or, or country? Like how, what do you, what do you think are the critical factors to, to your success? I think it definitely helps to know what you're doing um, because then you don't have to fake it. Um, but I think it's also important to, to know what you don't know as well um, and for us it all starts with the human contact between whoever we're dealing with so we put ourselves in the mind in the mind frame of the person that's that's doing the move or the candidate that's that's getting the job um, it like you said before it's complicated it's a bit this is a time where everything is changing for somebody you know this is just one tiny little element and what they're trying to achieve, they're literally trying to uproot and move thousands of miles away and, and then be faced often with a culture that they have no understanding of. Um, and so for us, it's all about empathy. It's about treating people the way we would like to be uh, treated um, and, and being honest about what we, we can and can't achieve. Having the information behind us to... Um, to support what it is we're saying is, is very helpful um, and provides a, a good level of confidence um, to the people that we're dealing with. But often, you know, we're presented with a, with a, a situation that has, has never happened yet. You know, there are something in the region of 16,500 different routes that you could take from one country to another if you take the 211 countries that there are roughly at the moment um, and times that by 211 other countries it's I think it's some if my maths or, or calculations are right I think it's something like six and a half thousand different routes that people could take and so it's quite normal for someone for us to get a call and say well I've got this Argentinian document and I want to go to Belize and and the chances are we've never done that before uh, you know we've tracked about two and a half thousand different routes but there's, there's a lot left that we haven't done yet. And so we'll turn around and say, well, you know, to be, honestly, we don't know exactly how that's going to work, but we've got someone in Argentina, we've got somebody in Belize, we'll talk to both of them, we'll work out how it's going to work for you. And that level of honesty helps us to build trust. 
And that for us is everything that our business is about. Yeah, that's a great message too. You know, tracking back in time, when did you realize that what you do now, the service that you provide now, is a problem that needs to be solved? Like, at what point did you see the opportunity and the problem? Because that's honest, you know, that's how most entrepreneurs see success is they see problems, they solve the problem, and now they have a business. At what point did, yeah. you, did you recognize? Um, it was pretty early on, actually, because when, when I first started, I thought we were going to do genealogy things, and I thought we were just yeah. helping. Um, and, and, and actually, that it was nothing, nothing like that. The first couple of inquiries we got were, well, uh, my dad was based in the U.S. Air Force, but he was um, based in the, in the U.K. during the Second World War. And I was born over there and now I need my birth certificate and I've just retired and um, social security claim needs me to have this document processed in a certain way so that they'll accept it. Um, And so from that moment, really, I understood how difficult trying to get things organized when you're not in the country that that organization needs to happen. So right from the word go, that was our, that was the, problem we were starting to solve mm. in, in essence we were a pair of, of white gloves like you know the, you know if you look at the the, but, the classic butler um and they, they, you know he's all very well dressed and he's got the white gloves and it, it's his job or her job to provide the service for whoever needs it and that's how we started to, to think of ourselves um we are that sort of remote pair of, of hands those white gloves in another country when that person can't, you know, it's, it's too, either too inconvenient or too expensive to fly back to get something processed to then fly back again. That is a really cool analogy for what you do. Um, I really like it. I mean, it's, it's complicated what you do. And, and from the outside, I understand the value proposition, but it blows my mind at the complexity that you guys probably have to work and the amount of detail and, and the tracking and the just being on top of it, you know? Uh, yeah. That's uh, for someone like my personality type, that sounds completely overwhelming. Absolutely. I mean, I mean you, you mentioned before that you know, we were on in strange times. So yeah. we've, just like many other businesses, we're having to pivot. Um, it's a phrase that's used quite a lot at the moment. Um, and so we've got staff, some of them are furloughed, some of them are still in the business, but those that are in the business are having to do jobs that they haven't done before. And we've got we've got one particular employee who has never really had to handle this side. She was working on the visa side and the certificate side, and um, we've asked her to, to help us out with this attestation legalization piece. And she and she just doesn't know what to do. And the problem is that there is so much information to to need to know. It's impossible for us to sit her down and say, okay, well, just learn all that. And then we'll put you on the front line and then, and then, you know, you'll know what to do. It just doesn't work like that. So we have to just fire, put a literally at the cold face and say, look, listen to what the customer's asking for, take the information, tell them that you're going to need to find out about it and then ask somebody in the background or, or, or reference our, our systems to find out the answers. Um, because genuinely it would take six months to get even up to a, a you know, a, stat, a level where you could, comfortably sit without any information and be able to answer questions on this um and people are expected to do this themselves and it, it, it's ridiculous we, we have some clients who 
arrive in the country that they're going to and then get told, oh, by the way, where's the document that needs this particular process on it? We haven't mentioned it before, and they just make an assumption that this person is going to know to do this. Um, so, you know, this is, it is complicated, and and the, uh, we have to, we've said to this, to, to our employee that's sort of moved across here, that don't feel bad, you know, because she, she's, you know, constantly questioning herself now i'm not don't feel like I'm, I'm not giving the right information it's okay because it's impossible to get the information that you you would be able to need when you've never done it before and 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 that's that's the help that we then offer her which then goes through to the client as well and hopefully we get it right so far she's had very good reports from her, from the customers that have dealt with her so I'm, i think we're doing it right yeah, well, I'm sure you you're committed to doing it right. That's all that matters. Definitely. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. I think about myself, and I think about um, most of the people I know, and a lot of people. You know, people who probably live in first world countries where there's a you know, certain expectation that you know, um, hey, somebody's going to handle this. But when I've traveled, and I think everybody should travel more because it just gives you a better perspective on on things in general. And you show up to places and maybe you got it wrong or there's just information wasn't available to you on certain systems or requirements and you're shit out of luck. Like no one's going to come help you. And that's what I feel like you guys are, are so, are so, like the cost of doing something, you know, one of these, these moves and when it is kind of complex and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of unknown, the cost of not using your service is far greater than any amount of money that people pay you i mean it's it's just it it can it could probably turn into a horrific nightmare right it, it absolutely can i mean we we have um not only it's it's about the amount of time you're going to save because and people i think people undervalue their time mm. um as you and i both know it's the only resource that's finite um and and so why anybody would want to spend the time learning how to do all these things um, it is beyond me, but you know that's fair enough. You know, sometimes our competitor is our customer because they could do it themselves if they are motivated to do so, um, and that's absolutely fine. Our, our you know our job is to help out where for them time is worth more money than they would pass over for us to handle things for them. Um, and yeah, that's, so I, I just think that there is. Um, if you want something that's complicated doing for you, then often you are better off paying somebody to do it um, than the cost of the mistake, especially if it, re if it results in you getting turned away at the border or if you, I mean, we've had, we have some situations where, so like in the UAE, it's illegal to, to have a baby out of wedlock. And oh. so we have, um, we have to support people who this wasn't planned um, but now we've got we're on the time clock, and if we can't get this done, then people will get jailed. You know, there, there are situations where that we're dealing with where we're oh stopping people from going into jail or helping them to get out of it if they've gone into it. And you know, they, and and these things are you know, really matter to people. So getting it right the first time really does make a difference sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you? I mean, now that you know we're in a time where people are just traveling less, right? Yeah. Just by requirement, how how is how have you adjusted to this market? Um, it, it's been pretty tricky. Um, mm. So so our our 
business is based on the ability for people to get on the plane and, and go somewhere. Uh, and there's not much of that going on at the moment. Um, so we took the decision to uh, to work with our clients because what's going to happen is at the time, as soon as we're able to travel again, um, and obviously that, that decision is being taken at a country level and, and, and for everybody that we deal with, there are two countries involved. And so it needs both of those countries to have lifted the restrictions. Um, but so we, we decided to try and work with our, our clients because at the time, as soon as this all starts to open up again, they're going to be short of time. And then starting the process at that point would be problematic um, or cause undue stress, I'm sure. So we just said, look, there's a number of processes that we can get done whilst we're waiting for your flight to, to, to happen or we're waiting because some of the embassies have closed as well that we use to, to process documents. And so we'll just get the, you know, the part of the processing done ahead of time, get them at the front of the queue when, when the embassy opens and, and, and at the front of the queue when, when they can just jump on the plane um, without having to wait for documentation to follow them. And that message has been, has been really, really well received. Um, and that's in, and you know, there are some of our, our competitors who to this day have just, have just decided to not open until such time as things go back to normal. And, and to me, that's just crazy. Um, you know, fair enough if you can't do something, but at least be around to tell someone that you can't do that and why and try and help them under, you know, get them the, the most up-to-date information that you can possibly give them. Um, that makes a massive difference. Um, and just being there, we've got our marketing team are still in place and we're just banging out the drum saying, we are here, call us. You don't have to buy anything from us. If you just want up-to-date information, give us a call and we'll, and we'll just share whatever information that we know. And that's been critical for us. Um, and I think the thing that 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 provides us with more than anything else is just increasing that trust level and as i said you know we're a remote business most of our business is done over the phone or over the web trying to get someone to part with hundreds sometimes thousands of, of pounds or dollars worth of um of service fees without seeing you without touching you without you know any physical contact um relies on building up this whole layer of trust um and trying to, and making sure that that people understand that you know when they hand that over they know what they're going to get they're going to get it on time and um and it's one worry that that we can take away for them yeah i i love how the word i keep hearing from you is uh, is trust you know and how how hard you work to build trust between you and the client and i think that's you know, if there's a maybe a differentiator in, in what you do, I, I bet we can plunk you down in a couple different variations of of business and, and industry, and you would still be excellent at building trust, no matter what. Uh, to be honest, you could anybody who tries to build a, a business without it is is almost destined to fail. Yeah. Um, because you know, people do business with people. It's not about what, what the service is. It's, well, it is about the services, but you know, you, it starts that, that, that transaction that happens at the beginning of any business relationship starts with knowing and liking the person that you're dealing with. Um, and if you get that wrong, regardless of, of the sector that you work in or the technology, you know, whatever, 
it all comes down to do I feel comfortable handing my money over to that person? And if you don't get that right, then your business will either not succeed or you will learn very, very quickly that you're going to have to make the changes. Otherwise, it you know, is destined to not succeed. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, I, I want to shift a little bit into, you know, focusing on you again, Matt. You know, as as since 2006 and, you know, last 14 years of, of building your business as an entrepreneur, um, what, what's been someone, what's been one significant personal challenge you've had during that time? Um, I think uh, oh, there's, there's so many of them, isn't there, really? <laughs> but <laughs> It's like name a week, right? <laughs> name a week. Um, certainly in the early stages, um, I did what I think most um, entrepreneurs do, and I just absolutely put my head down and sort of worked at the business as much as humanly possible. And that, has, that, that creates challenges um, within your family life. And so there's, there's – and – when things aren't going well, or even sometimes when they are going well, what you really want when you come back home from work, assuming you go somewhere for work, um, is to be able to switch off and to be able to, to enjoy the reason that you're working in the first place. Because, you know, we should be working to live, not living to work. That, you know, that's a, a very well used saying, but, I was definitely one of those those guys that just would be working till midnight and trying to trying this out and trying that out and what if I just changed this and how do we do that and and spending way too much time on that so and that was a real challenge um, and whilst I don't necessarily regret it I think that I could have made some I could have been more. And structured with my day, which would have given me a bit more free time, especially when the kids were growing up. My, my kids are now eighteen and nearly twenty-one, um, and so they've, you know, that's all they've seen for for all of their lives, um, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that would be the, the biggest thing. Um, but and and then the, um, the, as I say, there's the millions of things really that that you could cite as a challenge. Um, but I think if you get that one right, then, then you're doing pretty well. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, from my experience that managing time, balancing, uh, you know, I don't know if there's such thing as balance. Maybe I think there's more, it's just counterbalance of, you know, the, the work you put in as an entrepreneur and, and founder and the family free time. It's, it's, it's always a challenge. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't, who doesn't. You know, struggle with it a little bit or at least have in the past so yeah i think it's, yeah. it's something a lot of people resonate with yeah there's um you have to make sure that it is a balancing act you've got to there's no point in working yourself into the grave and then not being able to enjoy hopefully what you've created and, and the fruits of your labor um and you know if you can just work right from the beginning if it's at all possible um then that definitely would be a really good piece of advice for anybody who's just starting a business yeah i agree Matt, when you now that you know we've we've gotten i guess used to this lockdown this you know um whatever whatever it is that's going on right now i don't know it's different in every area but 
what's what's been a positive for you what's been something that's come out of this maybe you didn't expect that um you're happy and grateful that it did happen um i think on a human level i think people have become kinder um and that's been really really good to see um and bizarrely i think because you're forced into this situation um and we're finding that we're we're building relationships with friends which are stronger than they were when we went into it because so we've got some friends who live a few hundred miles away which and we would see them maybe four or five times a year and it's effectively my wife's she calls her her sister she's not it's just her best friend you know um and and she lives a long way away and she always really misses her when she doesn't see her but now because of uh, everyone you know the world has got used to zoom and and other um technology platforms um we are now having those conversations and, and catching up three you know every three or four weeks and that's been fantastic so bringing the world together i think has been excellent i think also it's caused people to um to be m- more agile as well and i think that there's nothing better than a really really good crisis and I don't mean that to sound crass, um, but to to find it, it becomes an innovation spot. Mm. So, you know, what is it, you know, because certainly for us, you know, our revenues are down because the demand is down because no one can get on the plane. So what else is it that we could do to help people? Um, and so you tend to start thinking about things that you wouldn't otherwise have thought about. Um, and that in itself, I think, will lead to, you know, um, innovation and uh, an opportunity that, that just would not have existed if, if this hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I know you've also taken some some opportunity to further your self-education. You mentioned you've been reading a lot. Tell me tell me about that journey. What have you been reading? What have you been finding? Um, yeah, I'd, um, so I'm trying to make some, during this time, I'm, I, again, it's, a, it's a, a reason to re-look at who you are and what you do. And one of the things that, that there's a couple of things that I'm, I'm trying to um, get back into. One is a little bit more into shape as a few pounds that I could do with losing. But the other was to reconnect with, with reading and, and listening to, to audio books as well. And it just, and, and every time this happens you know, periodically, I'll sort of, I'll just forget about it or just things will happen and, and, and I forget that I've got a book on the go or, or something. And and then I'm constantly surprised by the fact that when I then go back into it, how much I miss it and how important it is, you know, that the opportunity for you to, to learn something new on every page turn to, and it might not be something, you know, you might not be learning about facts. In fact, you might be reading you know, um, a complete fiction, but sometimes just the written word can sort of reach into you and, and help you discover something about yourself that you either had forgotten or you didn't know in the first place. And I just love how transformative um, it is to to pick up something that can just take your your whole life in a completely different um, in a completely different direction. Um, one of the things, one of the books that I read in January, which was a completely, it absolutely fundamentally changed me, was um, a book called The China Study. Um, huh. It was it was a I was doing so. I was, I don't know, I was surfing the web as you do, and I'd come across this this business article where 
um, a number of founders had, had been asked for the one book that they would recommend anybody. And somebody had recommended this particular, this particular book. Um, we're interested in China. It's a big market for us. And I was also, like I said, I was interested in nutrition because I was trying to maybe lose a bit of weight. And so, and I knew that this book was about nutrition. And I decided to read it and it fundamentally changed me to the point where I stopped eating animal products. It, not in a sort of, you know, I, I love the animals type kind of way, although there's nothing wrong with that. But it just, it really got into me and made me change 180 degrees who I was from an eating perspective. And, and that's powerful. Um, regardless of what the book is, there are, book, there are things that you will read during your lifetime that fundamentally change you. And this was one of those. Yeah. You know, having um, spent me a long time in, in the fitness and nutrition world, that, that China study has been a, uh, a focal point for quite the heated debates. Um, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, there, there's a lot I'm of sides sure. to that. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. I've never read it. Um, I've read summaries of it and people's opinions of it. But uh, yeah, it's every McCreary. It's quite long, right? Isn't it a, uh, it's a yeah? It's initial read. It, well, it, it it is, but um, I think it took me three or four days. I just could not put it down. I just wanted, from the moment it started, I just wanted to to know what was coming next because, to some degree, I you know I I wasn't expecting this. It wasn't I wasn't expecting for it to have this effect on me, but um, it did a very very good good job in in effectively proving what it was saying. And actually, I needed that proof because otherwise I would have been like a doubter um, or I'd have just sort of ignored it and, and tossed it aside. And, um, and so it was, it was important for me to get to the end of that particular book um, as quickly as possible. I, I don't know why. You'll have to read it to find out. It's, 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 not, it, it's out of the scope of this podcast to, <laughs> to go into it all. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll respect <laughs> that. Uh, so... Uh, I'm curious, Matt, you're, you're a, a deep thinker. You're a contemplative person. Do you have a personal definition of success? What does success look like to you? Wow. Um, okay. Um, it's a nice softball question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. You know, when I said, you know, is there anything I should prepare for? for, this, for this? <laughs> that would have been good. Um, look, I, I, I think that, um, you know, success is, is, is always personal. Um, there is no such thing as you know what is what does success equal um i think that it would revolve around um happiness and state of mind um it would revolve around um feeling like you whatever you're doing you're not pushing things backwards and there's always some sort of forward momentum that that, that isn't at the expense of somebody else um if you can feel if you, if you can reflect on what you've done in the day and feel good about what you've done then that's to to a degree is six, maybe success the challenge with that is that there are some people that will feel good about something that other people would consider to be not so good um and so it's all relative um but i think if 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 everything's in balance if you're pushing towards what you're trying to achieve and you feel like you're making headway in that, I think that's pretty successful. Um, and, and I suppose having choices it would be a, another thing that, 
that springs to mind. Um, if you're lucky enough to be able to make choices in your life, then that puts you ahead of a, a good chunk of, of the population. Yeah, I agree. I mean, ultimately, I think success is a feeling. I mean, there's certain, you know, people uh, most of the time will put some sort of monetary uh, value on on success, which, you know, isn't uh, unimportant. But once you reach a certain level, it's it's more of a feeling. And uh, yeah, I, I like where you're going with that. I think it's really, and there is no perfect answer for that question because it's it's so personal. And, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm always, I'm always curious to hear what drives people and, and what, what they're shooting for because, you know, if there's no end goal in mind, then what are we doing? Right? Yeah. What exactly what are we doing here? Um, Matt, thank you for doing this. This was really insightful. You know, I get to be on a, a call uh, with you, at least one call every week in, in a group that we have um, with Level 5 Mentors and, and the 10X Factory. And it's been an awesome experience getting to know you and your insights, but really taking this this dive with you and understanding um, a deeper of kind of what makes you tick and, and the story that got you there. I think it's awesome. And uh, I hope you get out there and tell the story more often because it's 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 really cool. Uh, I like the way yeah. you it. I've really enjoyed the session. It's the first time I've done a podcast, so uh, so it's, it's my virginity, if you like, uh, Breaker. Yeah, um, yeah another, and, uh, <laughs> another cherry to, pop. To notch up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, uh, but no, I've, it's been fantastic. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, and like you say, the, 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 the interaction that we get regularly um, by Level 5 and 10X is, I think, is, is, again, it's something else that's changed me up. It's made me more introspective and, and, and uh, I think... I'm better for it. So thank you for that too. Yeah. Thank you. And where do people get a hold of you, Matt? If they want to reach out and, and talk about your service or just talk to you, is there a place they can get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. Um, so on Twitter, it's Matt Lawless. Um, and uh, you can look up, look me up on there. I'm not brilliant on it, but if people start asking me questions, I will definitely answer you. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get hold of me, I imagine. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Lawless, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.